listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 259. What's up, Mark? Ukraine. I'm Russia. telling you. I'm telling you. The world. Yeah. So before we get the news articles, I just real quick, I know that you're listening to this. You've seen everything that's going on in the Ukraine. I'm going to give you my personal opinion. I'm also going to talk about a few things I think are really important. First thing is, unfortunately, there's a lot of scam artists out there that are taking advantage of this situation and soliciting money. The one place I found page that 100% trust is the Ukraine Red Cross Red Crescent. Okay. They're in frantic need of donations, cash donations to buy medical supplies, blood, all that sort of stuff. And they work on both sides, right? So we put a link in the show notes. You want to make a donation that's going to save lives. Here's a place to go. And then if all my buddies and all my brothers and sisters in Russia and Ukraine, what the hell? The Russian people, from what I've seen and what I've heard, aren't supporting this invasion of Ukraine. Putin has his own agenda, I believe. I think that agenda is basically built around trying to reform the old Soviet Union as far as the former Soviet states. There's also a whole geopolitical thing in here, but the thing that's amazed me the most, Paige, is the fighting spirit of the Ukraine people. Right, I am telling you, right on. It is crazy. So a couple of things I just want to give a big shout out to. Poland. First thing they did is open their borders. No visa, no papers, no passports, no vaccinations. I don't care if you're coming from Ukraine, we are open arms. We got a place for you to sleep. We got food to feed you, right? So big shout to Poland. And then you'll never hear me say this. <laughs> Thank you, Anonymous, <laughs> the evil hacker, rural hacker organization. They've already started cyber attacks on Russia. They've taken down a whole bunch of Russian news sites. They actually started playing pro-Ukraine music on some of the Russian radio That's stations. That's hysterical. Yeah. So Anonymous, keep it freaking up. And then how cool is this? So when the invasion started, one of the first things Russia did was kill the internet access to the Ukraine people. So one of the prime ministers reached out on Twitter to Elon Musk, goes, hey, can you help? And what many of us have forgotten about is Elon Musk program to use satellites to being broadband all around the world. Right. That program is nowhere near being finished. So you know what he did? He moved those satellites out of orbit. Right, which cost him Lord knows how much money to give the Ukraine internet access. Rock so on. super shout out Elon for doing that. And then very excited about to seeing what BP and Shell did. Both of them just walked away from billions, not millions, billions of dollars worth of oil and gas business with Russia because they say this is not right and they don't support this. So hats off to BP and Shell from literally just exiting all of their Russian business. And then my favorite, you know, so the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, he's on the front lines with the troops. He was offered, the U.S. reached out to him, State Department offered him escape, and he goes, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Right. Right. So it's just so cool. And then there's other things that, through my connections, I've heard that are just incredible. So there's young, attractive women in Ukraine, and they're flirting with the Russian soldiers <laughs> using social media. What they're really doing is getting troop locations and bringing it back to the base. That's awesome. School children to change in the street signs so the Russians have no idea which direction <laughs> anything is. Every man, woman, and child that's over there is armed to the teeth. They're literally taking out light armored vehicles, Molotov cocktails that actually, what you brought to my attention, a local brewery switched from making beer to the Molotov cocktails. Right. So I don't like this. It's happening. Literally. It was inevitable. We it saw was it coming. But what I did not expect was the fighting spirit of the Ukraine people. So if you're not aware of this, OGGN definitely stands behind Ukraine. 
Absolutely. Now, speaking of staying behind stuff, looks like we've got a review. Yep. It looks like five stars. Heaven recently dived into the oil and gas space after following you since ye old cold vid crash. (laughs) 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 I have searched out for relevant podcasts to expand my knowledge on the industry. And this one here is the best. To start, Paige and Mark have chemistry together. It's an easy listen on that account. And technically, podcast is well put together. I appreciate the consistent insights and knowledge share from the duo. The podcast isn't only for oil pros. Mark, do you think LNG needs its own future contract for gas at sea like Brent Oil? Cheers. Uh, who is this from? We don't know who this is from. You but to think- answer your question, yes. <laughs> Not only does LNG need its own futures contract, it's going to happen. It, it only makes sense. This could disconnect from crude oil. It's, it'll happen once this crazy <laughs> world settles down. Right. Man, the last three years have been a lot. I'm telling you. Uh, naturally, when you think about oil and gas news, a lot of this stuff is going to be around what's happened with between Russia and Ukraine. So let's get into it. All right. So the first one is Russia hits Ukrainian oil gas facilities and wave of attacks. Yeah. So this is hitting near the capital of Kiev, which, by the way, I've learned from my Ukraine friends that it's pronounced Kiev, not Kiev, how the Russians pronounce it. So in total support, everybody remember that the capital is called Kiev. So what the Russians are doing or what I expect them to do, and they're taking out supply chain. In this case, they've taken out pipelines that are used to refine jet fuel, which is, of course, the Ukraine fighters need to actually be able to fight. And so they have took out a couple pipelines. They took out a refinery. That area of Ukraine is in a 39-hour curfew. And the reason that's really interesting is it's been, what, five days since all this has started? Yes. Yeah. And so you're basically given another two days. That's seven days. If... Russia cannot completely overwhelm Ukraine, which unfortunately I believe they will. If they can't manage to do that, they're going to have to start pulling back around the 10 or 15 day mark. And it's a really interesting, Paige. You and I have watched a lot of videos, and I know you've heard me comment on stuff, but the Russian troops, to me, at least the ones that are on the videos, seem very inexperienced. I'm not sure when's the last time Russia had a war, they had a flight on multiple fronts. It's probably World War II, if I think about it. But, you know, you're watching the light armored vehicles come in one behind the other single file. Everybody knows you don't do that in the battlefield because all it takes is the first one to be taken well, out. Well, who's action. leading them? Yeah. And so it's just, it's really interesting to see the difference in experience between the Russian troops, at least what I've seen on video, and the Ukraine troops. But, you know, this attack on the oil and gas facilities to take out the jet fuel production was to be expected. What's next? Let's see. We've got green orgs accuse oil and gas industry of taking advantage of Russian invasion of ukraine hey everybody that doesn't like our industry stop it can you just like stop this is like major stuff going on right and i don't need you trying to point fingers at the oil and gas industry somehow we're trying to capitalize on this because we're not in fact if things would go the way that a lot of us would want it to go we wouldn't be in this situation right now, right, right? and i don't want to go back and because you can't change history but the oil and gas industry is not taking advantage of anything. The well, you just said the, BP and Shell walked away from billions, billions of, of dollars, dollars, right? The price at the pump is not because the oil and gas industry is taking advantage of anything. The price at the pump, the margins at the pump are usually less than one or two percent. And those margins have never haven't changed and they won't change, right? It's the least profitable part of the value chain. The reason you're paying so much of the pump is there's not enough supply. The reason there's not enough supply our own politics. So this is a story that just really got under my skin, especially we're close to some major world conflict right now. And you got these yo-yos saying that the oil and gas industry trying to take advantage <laughs> of the situation. We're not. Yo-yos. Freaking stop it. <laughs> All right. Next one. Putin just pushed the world into an 
even bigger energy crisis. Yeah, this is really interesting. So regardless of what the outcome is, because of the sanctions that we've imposed and because of governments out there not supporting this and actually getting upset, even some of Russia's friends like China are actually starting to push back on this. What's going to happen is people either will not be able to buy Russian oil and gas because of the sanctions or they're going to choose not to. Now, coincidentally, if you look at demand, we're just about at pre-pandemic levels, right? Just another another couple of months that we'll be there. Like I said, you know, last year, I expected this year we'd have a, a huge energy crisis, which is happening right now. But countries are not going to be able to buy Russian oil and gas. The countries that can are going to be limited on how those financial transactions take place, which means we're going to remove one of the big suppliers of the global market, right? right. Which is going to leave us and OPEC left to try to fill in the gaps. Regardless of what OPEC says, I don't think they can increase production much, if any. We can if our own politicians right. get out of the way. So regardless of what happens in Ukraine, you're going to see energy prices continue to climb. And unfortunately, I mean, I was looking today, Brent topped $100 a barrel. You know, WTI was really close. I think we're going to be 150 in two weeks, right? And that is Two not weeks? Good. Yeah, and that is not good for the industry. No, it's not. So what's going on there is... There's all these other side effects. So you think about what's going on in the Black Sea. Well, now if you own a super tanker, which is basically a ship the size of three football fields filled with explosive stuff, you're not going to risk going through the Black Sea if there's a war going on, right? Right, So then you yeah. cut the supply, the logistics. Same way with LNG. It's wintertime in Europe right now. There's not enough Russian natural gas to, to keep everybody warm. You know, and so it's just it's just a mess. So all those Russian exports, and not just oil and natural gas, Russia exports a lot of coal. All that's gonna be curtailed, even without the sanctions, because of the attitude of different countries. With the sanctions, they're gonna be curtailed anymore. And then the traders. If I'm a trader right now, I am not buying Russian hydrocarbons because there's too big a risk of me losing money. Right. So you put all that together, and regardless what happens in the Ukraine, even if Russia and Ukraine come to an agreement tomorrow on a ceasefire and a peace treaty. It's going to be six months before prices stabilize again. Right. All right. So the next one is Germany halts Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline after Russia sends troops into eastern Ukraine. So in a previous episode, I talked about how Germany had actually sidestepped some of their own laws. And I thought they were doing that. So if this Ukraine thing popped off, Germany could look the other way. Thank goodness I was wrong. Right. Germany, you're doing the right thing. They've halted the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. They have refused to even discuss negotiations with Russia until there's no more Russian boots on the ground in Ukraine. Boom. So, you know, Jeremy, as much as I'm making fun of you earlier, I take all of that back. Uh, your <laughs> chancellor is awesome, Olaf Skolski, and saying basically as long as there's Russian troops in eastern Ukraine, Germany will not let this project go through. And here's the part that's really kind of totally unexpected. I didn't see this coming. China's supporting it. Really? China's Russia's buddy. Right? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. But and so China is basically saying, look, we're going to side with Germany on this, Russia. You need to. Pull Why your- do you think that is? I think geopolitically, China still realizes that their biggest market is the West. So the U.S. and Europe. And I think they're trying to protect that market. It makes sense. From an energy point of view, China has partnered up with Russia and Russia and China are in this love-hate relationship. You know, there's a lot of business being done between the two countries, but they don't always get along. And I'm actually surprised that China is not supporting Russia on this. I'm glad it's happening. So once again, it's an episode of me saying thank you to people who normally wouldn't say thank you. Thank you, China. So are we putting sanctions on people that are supporting Russia? We're going to get to that. Oh. But the answer to the question is hell yeah. Good. All right. Biden administration halts new drilling in legal fight over climate cost. <sighs> <laughs> so... Remember our story a while back where a federal judge said, you know what, even though we issued all these permits legally, 
I think you didn't do enough due diligence over climate costs, so I'm going to revoke the permits. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. And we have another article, I think, that's going to talk about this. Basically, in the middle of a global energy crisis on the brink of World War III, our administration thinks one of the best things they could do is stop drilling for oil and gas. Well, he's this so is bright. This is the most asinine move. How, <laughs> how does this make any sense, right? Do you think this party is going to have a chance to stay in power unless they change what they're doing? This is just utterly ridiculous. And if I didn't read it in front of me, I would say you made this up. I would say nobody's this stupid. Well, I'm wrong. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> no, no, of, no, no, no. This could be one of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one is RCMP investigate violent attack at coastal gas link work in British Columbia. You know who RCMP is? No. Yeah, you do. Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So I didn't know. <laughs> so this is the Mounted Police in Canada investigating that a whole bunch of people, about 20 people armed with axes, attacked security Oh, guards. this is the one Kurt yeah, sent us. Yeah. Oh, okay. And smashed vehicles at a coastal gas link work site. So people, I 100% support, even if you don't agree with me, 100% support your right to have a difference of opinion for you to protest, for you to actually boycott stuff, you do not get 20 of your friends armed with axes and go chop up a gas processing plant. And you don't destroy vehicles. You know, if that's what the other side thinks is fair, you know, I think what this we should This is the do, last thing I ever thought I'd see in Canada. In Canada. I know the home of the nicest, most gentle people in the world. They should all be get thrown in jail. Every single person that, that played a role in that should be thrown in jail. All it would have taken is somebody to hit something the wrong way, cause exactly. a spark, and Lord knows what would have happened. Kaboom. You, you know, and the fact that it's criminal, that's criminal activity. This yeah. is a protest. This is a criminal activity. You've crossed the line. So I really hope the Mount the Mallies always get their man, by the way. So I really hope the Mallies catch these people and actually throw them in jail and forget where they put the key. All right. Next one. Will Biden's freezing of oil and gas leases exacerbate the energy <sighs> crisis? <laughs> Who could even write that without laughing? I know. Okay. You know, this is back to our whole conversation about of all times in history to slow down our production of crude oil and natural gas. This is the worst time to do it. Now, here is where it gets really fun, Paige. So this is what's going on. So remember the federal judge canceled leases because he didn't think there was enough due diligence. Right. right. Well, part of the biggest contrary part in that is a term called social cost of carbon. So when they originally issued the permits, in the permit process, there's a formula to figure out the social cost of carbon of your drilling or production activities, and there's a dollar figure assigned with it. What happened is the judge said that the social cost of carbon is not a good metric, right? That it has a lot of bias and a lot of emotions attached to it instead of it being a financial number, right? Right. Because the judge said that they can't use the word social cost of carbon, our current administration is using that as a lever to freeze everything until they figure out what should they replace the social cost of carbon with. A new administration. That's what they should do. Yeah. So basically, they're taking verbiage that everybody agrees is worthless and using the fact that everybody agrees it's worthless to hold up the proceedings to grant these freaking permits during a time when the entire world needs more oil and gas. I'm a proud American. I'm a patriotic. You know, I serve my country. I love my country. This is just asinine. You know, and you don't usually hear me talk like this. This isn't normal times. No. You know? All of our political bickering back and forth needs to go out the door, and we need to come together as a nation and make this thing right. And Paige, I've had a lot of people reach out to me on social. Actually, I had a lot of international news organizations reach out to me when this when Russia first engaged, wanting my opinion on what this was going to do. And I've told them, I said, this is going to 
totally blow up this energy crisis that we're in right now. So one of the things I find interesting is people are still in the U.S. wanting to somehow blame this on past politicians or past administrations. Here's the deal. Unless you have a time machine, I don't care who did what in the past. we got to fix this now. now this is exactly. the potential of World War III. Yes. Right? And so regardless of who did what, when in the past, we can't change the past. All we can do is look at the future. And so, you know, our current administration freezing the oil and gases leases right now is... Well, thank God for state jurisdiction. Thank God for state jurisdiction. And also thank God for the states that actually fight back on the federal government, yes. like Texas. Yeah, absolutely. And our buddies in Florida. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the next one, China moves to restrict financing for Russian commodities. It's like a dream. I don't mean a good dream, but never thought I'd actually see this in writing. China moves to restrict financing for Russian commodities. So what's going on is China is trying to comply with U.S. and European sanctions. Right. And so they're limiting the movement of money, basically. And they're also changing the way they trace the money that China loans to Russia, right? And so they'll be able to trace it down to almost the individual level now. It's really interesting. I did not expect this. I fully expected China to support Russia in the invasion, and they're not to the point that they're actually helping with the financial restrictions. And if we didn't have our current administration, and actually, let me back up a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all my anger and angst against our current administration is misplaced. There is a possibility that one of the right things for the U.S. to do right now is to wait. If you think about what happened during the 80s when President Reagan bankrupted the Soviet Union, it didn't happen overnight, and it wasn't a military operation. It took years of work with actually OPEC, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, and they tanked oil prices knowing that it would bankrupt the Soviet Union. So their long-term strategy was to make them run out of money. The same thing could be happening right now with Russia and the Ukraine. Our administration, I don't believe, has the wherewithal to do it. But it's on the realm of possibility. So if our current administration is actually really looking at this strategically and not actually wanting to bear arms right away, but instead wait this thing out, then I'll say I was wrong, right? And they did the right thing. I don't think that's what's going on right now. But for China to step in and help with the financial sanctions, that's just squeeze the noose tighter around Russia. Russia's ruble has dropped like a thousand percent. It's almost worthless now. And that trend will continue as the rest of the world imposes sanctions. So the fact that China's in here, which is one of the world's largest economies, which is one of Russia's largest buyers and also trade partners, says a lot. And once again, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but thank you, China, for doing the right thing. All right. How will new Russia sanctions affect energy? Ooh, this is going to be good. Now, this is all future forecasting because we don't know what the heck's going to really happen. But one of the things that's going on with the current administration is that they're forcing sanctions, but they're allowing energy payments to continue. So what does that mean? That basically means that we've limited certain people and companies from having the ability to have financial transactions with the U.S. and Europe. And the reason that's so important is the U.S. dollar is the standard, what everything's measured against. And U.S. and European banking are some of the most stringent, non-corrupt facilities in the world, right? So what's happening, though, is our current administration is saying, we're going to shut all that stuff down, but we're still going to allow you to pay for stuff, right? So if you bought coal or natural gas or crude oil from Russia, the payment can still go through. And there's a date. I think it's July. At that point, or June, at that point, those payments could stop. That is actually the right way to do it so you don't cause an abrupt interruption in the world's financial model. However, the way our sanctions are being implemented means that Russia can also still do financial business just with banks that aren't accredited and certified here in the U.S. So whether Russia wants to do banking with Nigeria, 
princesses or whatever. I don't know, but they have the ability to still do that. It really is interesting that we also picked out certain people for the sanctions. That tells me that our intelligence really knows who the movers or shakers are in Russia, who has the most political power. And we've literally individually cut off their ability to tap into the funds they have here in Europe. So these new sanctions will add cost to energy which is going to be paid by the consumer, which unfortunately means that we're all going to pay more at the gas pump for electric bill, for a heating bill. So regardless of what happens with Ukraine and Russia, like I said, even if they have a ceasefire tomorrow and have a peace treaty, energy prices will continue to be impacted for months, maybe the rest of this year, maybe even the first quarter of next year. Wow. And if this skirmish between Ukraine and Russia goes on, just extend it out. So, you know, back last year when I predicted this year, we'd have a world energy shortage. If you would ask me now, I'm going to say we have three years of energy shortage. Really? And, and that's if Ukraine and Russia come to some sort of agreement soon. These are going to have long-term effects on the energy markets and our ability to provide abundant cheap energy to the world. So this is not a good thing, regardless of what our current administration does. The stone's already been thrown. The ripples are already in the pond. You can't stop them. All right. Let's end this on a light note. A lighter note, rather. Chevron to buy biofuel company for $3.15 billion. So somebody, when this went through this morning, somebody hit me up on Twitter and asked me what I thought about it. And I said, Chevron shareholders were going to be happy, except for one. They go, who? I go, me. I'm a shareholder. I'm not happy. Chevron's doing the right thing. They're investing in a company that basically makes biodiesel. So the companies go out and get the old French fry oil from the restaurants and turn it to biodiesel. That's what this company does. Oh, okay. It's going to give, in Chevron's portfolio, it's give them the ability to show that they're offsetting carbon, the fact that they've put CapEx into renewable fuels. The reason I don't like it as a shareholder of Chevron is it doesn't make fiscal sense. Most of the biofuels out there, and I know I'm going to get some hate mail, but you know what? I'm ready for it today. <laughs> Most of the biofuels that are out there aren't commercially viable in the free market. That's why their government is subsidized. And there's some exceptions to that. And honestly, I do like the fact that somebody figured out you could take old French fry oil and burn it as diesel or jet fuel. I mean, there's you know another asset that we were throwing away before, but it's not commercially viable. You know, Chevron paid almost 100% of what this company was worth, which I think they could have negotiated a better deal. You know, that $3.15 billion for this company could have went a long way doing some deep water exploration in the Gulf of Mexico. But I get it. You're a public company. You have to make shareholders happy. The way the public sentiment is around things like biofuels just helps you. So it was a good strategic move by Chevron. I'm not happy with it, but I don't own most of the you stuff. Might, yeah, I was going to say, you might be the only one. <laughs> womp, the womp. only one, yeah. Womp, womp. So, on a lighter note, if you're in the Houston area, you need a place to hang out, get a little work done, nobody bugs you, just go to the Canon, go to the front desk and say hi. I'm with OGGN or listen to OGGN or listen to Mark and Page. They'll give you a free desk pass. They won't try to sell you anything. It's a really cool spot. And then, no IBM t-shirt, but we're working on something to replace that with in probably another month before we actually oh, know cool. what that is. Oh, cool. All right. Weekly grid count. Where are we? In the United States, we're at 615, we're up five. Canada is at 224, up four. Internationally, we're at 841, up seven. So Good numbers. Yeah. Also, speaking of good numbers, go to LinkedIn, look for OGGN, sign up for our page and our group. That's where you get notified of all the stuff we're doing. And actually, Paige, we have a big event coming up on March 10th. You want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So I'll be moderating a panel. We're OGGN's partnering with Women's Offshore. We actually have Women's Offshore podcasts on our network. And we're going to be listening to powerhouse group of women talk about how to break the bias. Now, this is not an event just for women. No, it's not. Come support the women. Yeah. We're just celebrating. Yes. So guys, if you want to get in a room full of women... 
Hey, come on. <laughs> come on. We'll have drinks and food. It's going to be a great time. And the money that we goes to the nonprofit women offshore. So you're actually helping us attract young women to the maritime industry. So yep. uh, come join us. I don't know. Tickets are like 25 bucks or yep. something like that. So not much. Follow us on social for more cool events like this. We have a bunch of them coming. Speaking of stuff in the future, our first Friday Q&A we just did last week, I think. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So we got a couple of weeks. But if you want to have a burning question answered by some experts, we're not those people. But <laughs> if you have a question that you're curious about, you'd like to educate Speak your to- peers, send it in. If we use your question on the air, we get a big shout out. And as Paige learned the hard way, we don't list all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. little moment of silence for the people that have lost their lives in Ukraine and Russia on both sides. All right, Paige, ready to get out of here? Actually, before we get out of here, I wanted to also have a moment of silence for Sarge Summers. Yeah, if you don't know who Sarge was, he was a epicenter of the oil and gas industry, Army veteran, unexpectedly passed away. He's running for the railroad commissioner. Just a great guy, and we're all at a loss for him. Absolutely. Yeah. God, right. It almost seems bad to say this now, but remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oh,